Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday after Pentecost for the week of June 18th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. Before we get everything going, here at least in the United States, we have to say happy Father's Day. We talked about mothers last month. This month, we get to talk about fathers and the fatherly figures within our lives, And I find it is kind of interesting. This week, we'll get into a little bit more psychology on some different things. But I think there is an aspect of trust that is always taken into consideration when we're looking at these different holidays of looking at people who have played significant figures in raising us, whether they are biological parents or not. And I think that's one of the things that's important for us to realize is when we have these holidays to recognize, I think we can also remember that there's sometimes people that deserve that recognition who maybe biologically aren't related to us, but have played major figures within our lives. I know there is multiple different male figures within my life who have made significant impact along with my father making significant impact. So happy Father's Day to all those fathers and fatherly-like figures out there. Let's jump into the questions that we had for last week, which were, where do you have faith to trust and how much trust does it take to have faith? And honestly, I feel that these are really some deep, hard-hitting questions in general. And I think it's something that Within the faith, we have to keep evaluating, keep bringing up. I think it's something that it's so easy within culture to say, well, let's start from a spot that we assume that we have this. And that sometimes that can be damaging because we're making assumptions about things. And so sometimes having those moments and having those places to come from ground zero and move from there, I think is really important. I had a loyal listener of ours who's a former youth director, right, talking about how he had a girl be brought in by a parent who was struggling with some doubts. And in this case, he was able to look and talk a little bit about the Dead Sea Scrolls and how important those were and being able to give, in this case, some support for this woman, this young girl, to be able to realize her faith wasn't just blind. She just needed some additional support. And honestly, I think it's such a beautiful metaphor because I want this podcast to be looked at as, yes, it's something that can be helped as a teaching and preaching tool, but also something that can be some additional support Because we all need that in different times in our lives where there's times where we're having doubt and it's a healthy and regular part of the faith. It's important for us to have and be raising those questions to challenge us to move forward. That's a lot of what the science part of our society is, is pushing forward and trying to help us recognize and acknowledge the ability to be able to continue to grow. And so thus, having spots and being able to find additional support allowing us to venture further into our faith, I think is super important. And that's where the trust and faith conversation, I think, is such an important one that in a lot of ways, I don't think it's talked about enough and is important for us to be able to actually grow in the faith in and of itself. So 
let's just jump into it. Like we talked about last week, we are moving into the season now where we'll have some alternative first readings and psalms that will go together. So we have the first reading option being Genesis chapter 18 verses 1 to 15 and then optionally chapter 21 verses 1 to 7. So this is where the Lord is appearing to Abraham. Remember last week we had where he was acknowledging that he is going to have this large family and raise up the nations of us being the nations of Israel. And here the Lord is then talking with Abram in the tent and making this acknowledgement that he is going to have a child. Sarah at this point is overhearing some of this and laughs just is overwhelmed with the news to the point where she can't believe it. That they're both very advanced in age, as it states in verse 11, that this is impossible. And even when questioned about it, she denies it. I did not laugh. Of course I didn't. But this whole thing just seems impossible. And where they're skipping to chapter 21 in the first seven verses is stating that, yes, she did give birth to Isaac, which is the one who laughs, acknowledging that, yes, she did laugh, and let's have this reminder in the child that we are giving birth to. But this acknowledgement of the promises that have been made before now are going to be fulfilled in the beginning process of that fulfillment. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2 and 12 through 19. This is acknowledging that the Lord is listening and hearing our cries. And then in doing that is recognizing God is also ahead of where we're at to the point where God is providing for us even when we don't recognize it. So that in doing this, this relationship is strengthened in such a way that we are paying homage and recognizing that we trust God, that we are giving our trust to God and recognizing in that that God will continue to provide for us. This promise of how God will continue to be there with us. The alternative first reading then is out of Exodus chapter 19, verse 2 through 8a. This is the people of Israel have just been liberated from Egypt. And this is where now you're having Moses go up the mountain to talk to the house of Jacob, talk to the Israelites, and recognize that I have done this and now I'm trying to make a covenant with you that I will continue to provide for you. But then you need to continue to trust what I'm doing, continue to follow. If you know anything, this is going to be something that is very difficult for the tribe of Israel. Multiple times they commit to this, multiple times they fail at this. But it's also the point here of the recognition of how God was not just there for liberating them from the Egyptians. God is making this continual promise, I'm going to be with you through the end of this. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 100, all five verses of it, and this is a psalm of rejoicing. This is a psalm of recognizing what the Lord has done and paying homage to God in that, that we are the people of his pasture, that we are 
the ones that God is taking care of and recognizing that the steadfast love endures forever that God has for us and that our faithfulness then will be able to be passed on generation to generation. The second reading or the New Testament text is out of Romans chapter 5, the first eight verses of it. And honestly, chapter 5, I feel, is just open so beautifully. And I want to just actually say it because of how beautiful it is written. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. That's the first five verses of this. I know that this text can carry a lot based off of different people's life experiences and things that they've gone through, but it's also this recognition of as we are walking out the mission and the goal that God has for us, there are going to be times that things are hard. Living up to the expectations of what God has set for us is difficult, but recognizing in that that we're not alone. It's the recognition that the grace that has been given to us is a grace that passes our understanding. And in doing that, it's that God is with us in our suffering. God is with us in our endurance. God is with us in the character building. God is with us in this hope. And that hope is from the love that God has given us. And in doing that, this moves us forward. And this isn't something for us to be bragging about. It's for something for us to help endure through difficult times. The gospel text then is out of Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 35, going through chapter 10, verse 8, and optionally verse 9 through 23. So this can be a long text, but it's Jesus has been in the synagogues, in and amongst the people, and he starts going into this sermon of sorts, stating that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. He then takes his 12 disciples and calls them by name and says, okay, go out and go and do this work. Go among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near, coming from verse 5 through 7. This idea then of that they were going to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and do this without payment. And then verses 9 through 23 is this continued process of trusting God in this, that you're not going to be taking payments. You're not going to be taking extra items. You're trusting that the Lord is going to provide for you, that this town will be. And there will be times when you are put into situations, you're going to find houses that are not welcoming and, okay, dust your sandals off and go to the next place. And that this is something that is part of walking out the mission of what I have called you into. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Oh, 
Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts or commentaries discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some context on how to run this podcast and give me some different ideas. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy it week to week, being able to look at not only how they lay out the text week to week, but the liturgical colors, art, hymns, prayers. There's a lot of great resources over there, so if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it because it's such a great resource over there for being able to start thinking about what the texts are week to week. I'd also highly recommend it, and I'll put in the show notes down below, the resources for the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and Green Blades Rising Publications. Both these are either weekly or monthly newsletters of resources, events, occasional events in the upper Midwest and beyond, also bringing in ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies to be able to bring into your preaching on a weekly basis. I have looked over these. I've used these. They're a great resource. It's an amazing group of people that are working on these. So if you haven't checked these out, if you haven't signed up for these, I'd highly recommend signing up for this and add it into your preaching repertoire or add it into preparing for listening for preaching week to week because I'd argue that is just as important. We're talking a lot in these texts this week about trust. And God fulfilling promises, God equipping us and sending us out to go and do. But are we always ready for that? Are we always ready to do that? One of the things that I enjoy in some of my free time is following professional sports. And if you spend time around professional sports, one of the things you find out very quickly is people get injured playing sports. And having been an athlete in high school myself, you get different nagging injuries. And one of the things that I was blessed with is I never had a major injury. But even in the minor injuries that I did have... One of the things that I found very difficult was trusting when am I able to do things, much less having a more serious injury that required surgery and being able to figure out what my capabilities were and keeping hope and optimism. One of the resources that I'll attach down below in the show notes this week is from Alex Smith, who was a highly touted NFL quarterback at one point of his life. And one of the defining moments of his career was an injury that he had where his bone broke in his lower leg and it twisted and having a kind of a corkscrew effect. And in doing that, and I'll allow him to kind of more tell the story, but his initial surgery didn't go the way that they had initially expected to the point where there was flesh-eating bacteria within there and was eating away at some of the flesh in his body, which caused them to do more emergency and life-saving surgeries of taking some of his thigh and attaching it down in his lower leg to be able to save not only his leg, but his life. The amazing thing was, is a 600 plus days later, he was able to go back onto an NFL football field and start again as one of the more remarkable recoveries within sports. But one of the things that Alex talks about in there briefly is the mental game in which it takes to be able to recover. 
It's not always the physical is the issue. Half of it is also psychological. And I know that from just the minor injuries that I had in sports. When you roll an ankle, there is the initial swelling as the ligaments stretch. And as a basketball player, I would go in and get my ankles taped up after something like that. But it's the question of at what point do I quit going and getting my ankles taped? At what point do I quit wearing an ankle brace to be able to support the muscles and be able to have more flexibility in my ankle and also to figure out ways for my body to strengthen itself naturally and not become dependent on some type of brace? Also, the final step of being able to, now that I've recovered, how do I do certain things to not only maintain this, but strengthen this so that hopefully I don't have this type of injury again. One of the things that I've watched time and time again, and you will hear time and time again in professional sports with major injuries, is the first year back is very difficult because they're learning to trust themselves again. I'll attach a video down below from a sports psychologist talking about that in her work, she has found that a lot of athletes, when going through a major injury, end up going through the five phases of grief. That they initially go through the denial that it's not that bad, that I'm able to get through this. Then to the anger that they're frustrated that they're having to go through this trying to bargain and trying to see what they can do to the depression and low mood of I'm never going to be able to do this again to the acceptance of not only of the injury, but the acceptance of where they're at in the recovery process and that it's going to take time and effort and work to be able to recover. That acceptance part, I think, is a very important part too. It's amazing how many of us will get stuck. I, myself, it's crazy to think about, but seven, eight years ago now, had a fairly substantial bike accident that if a few things had gone a little bit differently, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. I was taking a bike ride after a rough day of work and ended up crashing my bike into a wide sidewalk, flipped up over the handlebars, and drove my left shoulder into a flagpole. I became a helmet advocate after that, having only by inches missing, drilling my head into that flagpole. I had multiple different people come and help me in hearing this sound like a gun going off as the bike tire imploded and having an ambulance ride to the hospital to check me out and getting x-rays. They told me everything was fine. I've since found that I do have a slight tip to one of my vertebrae and I get some inflammation fairly consistently in my upper back from that. But there were multiple different things within that that I had to learn to work through, to trust, to be able to get through the situation. First, the next day and the following weeks of being able to even get the mobility to be able to move my shoulder again. Learning that the promises that I made to myself that I was never going to ride a bike until I was pain-free was kind of dumb. That I had to get over that mental hurdle. And learning to accept what I had gone through, use it as a learning experience, and being able to use it as a thing for me that I stay physically fit and try to because I notice if I keep working out, 
my back does better as I exercise and rebuild and continue to rebuild muscles and get imbalances back to the way that they were prior to the injury. The trust that it takes, the trust of a professional athlete being able to explode after a knee injury or something of the sort. And you'll hear that they are thinking, they're not reacting. Because there's the thought of, will my knee or ankle or hip or whatever injured part respond in the way that I am anticipating that it would prior to the injury? Is it going to give out on me? That trust aspect that we're so reluctant to give at times. After something like that, it's hard to be able to say, yes, it's fully there. I've done everything. The physicals, the sports doctors have cleared me. They have told me I can start imagining myself doing this and trying to do imagination, but there's also a part where I have to learn to just trust my body. And that process of relearning to trust can be very difficult. It's the mental side of sports that we don't talk about a lot. Sarah, when she hears the news of what is being promised, she at that moment struggles to trust because it seems unconceivable that she is able to give birth to a child. Just like after a fresh injury, when we are told it's going to be a long timetable, it's hard for us to imagine getting back to what we were. But if we are willing to put in the time, the work, the effort, we can get back. We can have these miracles of God as long as we continue to trust and walk and have faith in what God is saying, knowing that God sees the picture much deeper than we see the picture. That's why we are giving praise and recognition. And it ties right into the Exodus story itself. Moses going through and trying to have the people acknowledge initially, look at what God has done. God has said that God is going to deliver you from the Egyptians, and now we have been delivered. And now he's wanting you to have a covenant that is between God and you that I will continue to provide as long as you continue to fall, as long as you continue to trust. We're the ones that struggle with that. I think about the disciples hearing this and getting this message of having watched Jesus do some of these miracles and saying, okay, I have equipped you to do this. Now go and do this. Don't bring extra supplies. Just go and trust and see what happens. Trust that I am with you. Trust that there are things that I have already prepared for you. Trust that God is with you in this and has given you the ability in this and you have watched me enough to see how to do this. Now go, do. What were the disciples going through? What was that trust like? The doubt that creeps in. The things that are like, oh, this seems hard to do. And that's where the Romans text is set in. It's to set in in those moments of doubt when we are questioning. Those moments of, am I doing the right thing? The things where, oh, I just don't know. That's a suffering to me. That's a moment where we're questioning. And that's where Paul is trying to give the reassurance. God is with you. God is working through this with you. Trust in that. Walk in that. Be companions in that. 
Trust that God is with you and is going to continue to love on you through this whole thing. Being able to walk out the faith and trust can be difficult. There are times where we strain things or things get strained and so it takes time to heal. But it's also the recognition that as we're healing, there's still work that's going to happen. There's still physical therapy and things that we are going to have to do and time and work and effort to rebuild the strength, to rebuild the trust in the muscle. That's not an easy thing to do. It's not a quick and short way of doing it either. And sometimes that's why it's so hard for us to acknowledge. But on the flip side of the coin, that's why the covenants and promises that God has made are so amazing. Because God recognizes the character of who we are, and as long as we are striving to do better, as long as we are making the effort to continue to walk in the way, God not only is with us, but it helps pick us up, dust us off, and say, walk with me some more. If I need to carry you for a while, I will. I think there's an image to that, and I think there is a part of it when we look at the psychology of what it takes to recover Physically in sports, I think it's also us recognizing there is a psychology to this faith too. There is the going out and doing and understanding that call, but the psychology too of us to be in that relationship and trust in that relationship and be an active call and response and conversations in that relationship as well. Because in that, when we are going through those moments where we are injured, we have then our coach being able to coach us along in that to help us and recognize the moments when we need to be carried, recognize the moments that it's scary for us to retrust the injured limb, to retrust whatever we've hurt, to be able to go out and do what God is calling us into doing, recognizing that there is a process that sometimes it might be of grief for us to be able to get through that. And I think when it becomes personal to our body in that way, it makes it easier for us to understand this. I find it interesting that we have this on Father's Day as one of those days that we're recognizing one of the the people, probably more of a male figure who has provided support to us and recognizing that in those moments, fathers are called, father being whoever that father-like figure is, are there to support, are there to encourage, are there to be a vessel that God may be speaking to us in, to be able to encourage us on when is it time to quit taping the ankle. When is the time to quit wearing the brace? When is the time to start strengthening that angle? When is it time to trust your instincts of your body again? When is it time to lean into that trust and get beyond wherever the mental state of where you are at is? So the question I have for you is, when has a mental state of an injury been harder to recover from than the injury? When has the mental state of an injury been harder to recover from than the injury? I know for me, one of them was definitely my bike accident because not only the physical of being able to try to get my body right and being able to accept where my body was going to get, but also being able to get over even the simple small thing of it is okay to get back on a bicycle. 
that I need to get back on a bicycle, that I enjoy being on a bicycle. Those obstacles that we go through, those obstacles of being able to trust a ligament or trust a knee or trust something that we've hurt, trust the advice of a trusted figure being able to tell us it's going to be okay from an injury and following the advice of the trained professional. I think we need to sometimes look at a relationship with God in that way. That God's kind of been around a little bit longer than we have and is that trained professional to be able to give advice. And yes, we have free will, but yes, there's times where we need to be able to trust the advice of the person who has seen this type of thing a few more times than we have. It's amazing to me how often we can remember the injuries. We remember the ankle sprains. I know I've had a strained hip flexor before, and I can still remember and tell you what it was like running with a strained hip flexor, where I felt like one leg was six inches shorter than the other, and how it's so easy for us to try to push through or do all these different things that maybe don't help. And sometimes it's really hard for us to admit and accept the advice that is being given by somebody who has gone through it before. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we need the encouraging word to keep us going. Sometimes when we're going through it, we need the word of recognition of, look how far you've actually come already though. Look at what I've stated for you to be able to do and you're halfway there. Sometimes it's also us recognizing, you are equipped, you are good to go. So go, do. You're finding excuses to hold yourself back. As Jesus rambles the second half of the gospel text of all these things that you won't be needing because God is going to provide. Just trust. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. But yet, it's the biggest thing that we need to do to grow in our faith. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.